Welcome back to the Red Letter Disciple. It is a great day to be with you. My name is Zach Zender, co-host of the Red Letter Disciple. My other host, Chris Johnson, he's coming. Don't worry, he's coming. He's got his red sequins. He'll join in a minute. But we got a great guest today. Before I tell you about that, our mission of this podcast is to challenge and inspire you to grow as a disciple of Jesus wherever you are. Because when all of us grow as disciples, we give the world a greater, fuller, and truer expression of Jesus. Our guest today, Chesley, is Chesley Lundy, is the co-founder of the Digital Church Network. And I really think that a, a lot of our influence and expression of Jesus, yes, it's in person, but there's also really great things we can do digitally and maybe some things that are not so great that we can do digitally. So I'm excited to dive in with Chesley uh, to talk about what discipleship looks like today in an online world. What, what, what are Christians consuming already? And is there any opportunity for the church or for disciples to exist in the metaverse, right? You, maybe you've heard more than most on that. Maybe you haven't heard much of it, but what is the metaverse and is it coming and how do we get prepared? It's going to be a really great episode. It wouldn't happen without our season two sponsor, Carrie Newhoff and the Art of Leadership Academy. Art of Leadership Academy is actually the network where I met Chesley. It's a network that brings together uh, church leaders and also business-minded leaders, one place with one goal, to lead healthier, growing organizations. I know like I didn't always get the leadership training I needed in the educational places I was. It taught me other things, but not always sometimes how to lead. Plus with the world changing so much, like how can it teach all of those things? And so if you're wondering like, how do I lead and what does it look like to be a better leader? And why are my staff and team members like not flourishing or getting behind, you know, this vision? And why, why is the impact that the people it, it, that I'm trying to reach harder than it has to be? Or, gosh, I had that dream, but it feels like that dream's going away and it feels impossible. Like all these are really great ways to step into this network, the Art of Leadership Academy. Whether it's personal productivity you need or team leadership or leading change or just connecting with so many great leaders in a really safe space, the Art of Leadership Academy exists for you. It has the answers to all those questions and for a fraction of the cost of what a typical conference or consultant would cost. So if you want to learn more, if you want to get access to every single course that Carrie Newhoff has ever taught, to a lot of the live coaching calls, to the training and to the incredible community, go to the Art of leadershipacademy.com. As a member of that academy, I'd love to see you there. I'd love to connect with you there. So if you join, just search for my name on the app and send me a message. Again, that's thank you to theartofleadershipacademy.com. Go there and sign up today. Thank you so much to all of our faithful listeners out there. We've got listeners all around the world and especially in Kenya that love the Red Letter Disciple. And so if that's you, if you like it, if you love it, will you give a five-star rating for us? And could you write a review for us? And will you share our episodes to someone that you feel like could use what we provide? And so if that, if you do that, like we're super grateful for you. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. So with all that being said, let's get into today's episode of the Red Letter Disciple. Let's do this. Hey, Chris, we got an excellent episode today. We got Chesley Lundy what? coming in. Yeah, Chesley Lundy. That's the most unique name I've ever heard of in my life. Well, and he's a u- unique guy, but he's an expert in innovative leadership. He is uh, one of the founders of the Digital Church Network. He gets to help churches and leaders process how to follow Jesus in this crazy world. Mm. And he's a speaker. He's spoken at tons of different conferences and I'm just really excited to have Chesley Lundy. Why don't we bring him on? Look at that. There he is in Ohio, a new place. Chesley, what are you doing in Ohio these days? Man, so I've been to like 12 different states in the last seven days. We moved from the balmy weather of Phoenix where it's predictable to (laughs) Ohio is not predictable. So uh, here, yeah, it's been fun. There you go. Not many would move from Arizona to Ohio. So God has to be involved in that move. Chesley, tell me. He better have been. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good. It's good. I found a nice coffee shop, man. It's it'll be fun. Don't you feel like that though? Sometimes that sometimes you presented these life decisions of like, God, is this you or not? And 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 it's one that on the outside people, if they, if they don't know anything about you, they they would think you're crazy. And like you realize 
they're right. I am crazy. If God is not in this, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So true. So true. And this well, is one of those moves because it would have never have been in a million years yeah. on my list of where to go. That's <laughs> good. Well, as a Cleveland sports fan, I, I hope at least you can enjoy some Cleveland sports while you're there. But hey, I want to jump right into this, Chesley. I legitimately need your help because I I feel like I can go back and forth. Like I listen to a pastor and he talks about the importance of we got to get people back in the church, in the room. And like when he's saying it, I'm like, yeah, I'm bought in. And he's got the three reasons. I'm like, yep, that makes total sense. Then the next pastor I hear talks talks about we got to focus on digital and we got to get with the times. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And it gives the three points and I'm all in there, too. So I just need help. It's very (laughs) confusing, Chesley. What do we do? What do we do? As pastors, as church leaders. Give us the answer and then we'll call it a day <laughs> well you go hibernate and take a sabbatical and then yeah no i'm just playing Good night, hey, n- <laughs> and that's the end of this podcast episode. Yeah. No, thank you uh, yeah um you know here's the deal i think you have two paradigms speaking and they're not going to see eye to eye mm-hmm. uh, the old paradigm says you have to be in a building to connect and uh, the new paradigm says um, that we can connect no matter where we are on the planet. And when you have those two paradigms at odds with each other, um, they're not going to feel mutually exclusive. They're going to feel, uh, like they're going to feel like enemies. The reality is, um, digital does some things that physical cannot Mm. physical does things that digital cannot. Uh, but it all, it all is based off of ecclesiology and how we um, see the way the church operates based on our theological bent, based off of our personal life experiences. And um, everybody that is having this uh, conversation right now is under the age of, or over the age of 25. So they remember a time without the internet. Um, The reality is my kids don't know a time without the internet. And so relationship and connection with them um, is, is what it is, whether it's online or offline. And the truth is, uh, it's a nuanced answer for every church. Yeah. Um, some churches may always be only physical. Some churches may only ever be digital hmm. and some churches will be fidgetal. Um, what I would say is what is your DNA? What is your missional, um, your missional makeup, your, uh, I, I think that burning desire and that, um, that thing that God has put in your faith community to, to accomplish. And if you do that, like that may necessitate not being online. And that's somebody yeah. who's digital saying that, <laughs> but it, it, it may mean that you have to restructure everything and go all in on digital. Yeah. And so you got to get really honed in on what God has called you to do for your church. And then you be able, you can be able to answer in a, in a discerning way that question. What would you suggest? Like, how would a church get all the way honed in? Like, what, what's that process look like? Um, yeah. So the first thing you got to do is you've got to decide uh, or get clarity on who God's called you to reach. The reality is our churches reach who they're perfectly designed to reach (laughs) period. I don't, I don't care if you say you're for everyone. The reality is you do ministry in such a way that you get the people you've gotten. Mm. And so nobody is for everyone. How do I know that? Everybody doesn't show up to your church. (laughs) (laughs) You are designed for someone And whether you want to put a label on that or not, that's fine. But the reality is you have preferences, you have styles, you have a philosophy of ministry. That's like a fingerprint from the creator to say, this is how our faith community will work. There's nothing wrong about that at all. So I want to celebrate the uniqueness and the diversity of what God's called us to. However, you've got to get, especially in the digital age, you've got to get clear on who you are. If you're not clear on who you are, you'll be in this messy, murky middle that won't allow you to do anything well. And so I would say lean into your uniqueness, lean into who God has called you to be as a faith community and start making the decisions based off of that and based off of the outcomes that you're trying to create 
as far as disciple making is concerned. When you put those two things together, you're going to know very click, quickly whether you should be online or, or not. So, so to sum up, did I hear did I hear these two these two things there? There, you got to figure out who you are, and figure out who you're called to reach, and then somewhere yes. in the middle is where this all comes together. And once you find that out, then it's like now let's talk about the strategy. Yeah, right. and the strategy is all based on the outcome. So what we've done is we have been given a model for ministry that has lasted seventeen hundred years. Mm. <laughs> That's just. The honest to God truth, we, yeah. we were born into a specific method of connecting with each other and with Jesus. And that may not be the best way to do it today. It may. <laughs> For you, it may. Yeah. But I'm thinking when I look at Gen Z and I look at Gen Alpha and I look at millennials, uh, the reality is if God's called you to reach those, you're going to have to start questioning the methods that we've had for the last 1,700 years. Wow. So Chesley, I have a question for you. I know you're big into the digital side, obviously, but yeah. uh, one question that I've struggled with, and uh, we didn't put this on the, the notes or anything, but this just popped into my head. Um, is it possible to create disciples digitally? Yeah. First, I got to say, I need your, uh, the, your stylist because I need to find out where that blazer is. Just, I need to wear that the next it. time I'm on stage. No, no, you don't need it. If you're watching on YouTube, Chris is in his, his red sequins like normal. You don't need it, Chesley. Well, oh, man, you should see my shoes. They're amazing. You would oh, love yeah? them. Do you have <laughs> oh, yeah. sequins? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I don't have those, but I definitely oh. have my blue suede shoes. Blue suede shoes. I do, man. Uh, yeah, multicolored. It's amazing. It's <laughs> just amazing. So. Oh. It's tough. <laughs> Yeah, can you make disciples digitally? Yes. People have been doing it for decades, Oh, to be honest with you. And actually, culture has been doing it for decades, and they're better at, at making uh, disciples than the church. That's, that's so, interesting, yeah. Yeah, what, that's what, what we're competing say, against. So what would you say, you said it's been happening for decades, and the answer is yeah. yeah. What would you say are a couple of key components to doing just that? Because I think that's where a lot of times... It can be hard and it can be confusing to know is all this effort, are, are people watching this and consuming it, which, by the way, is important. Consuming is important. But what's the contribution? Uh, how do we how do we take them to the next steps? Um, so, yeah, what, what would be a couple of great tips or tools for how to digitally grow a disciple? Three things create transformation in a person's life. I call it the transformation triangle. So the first thing you have information, but it's information connected to a relationship and an experience. So Chesley, that's awesome. So I, I think that transformation is what we're after, right? Whether it's physical or whether it's digital. Mm -hmm. digital. Mm -hmm. And that triangle, I like that. That's relationship, experience, and information. Uh, we need all of them. And, and so whatever that looks like, let's create those opportunities for the, those things to happen. Let's create great content information. Let's let's set people up for relationships, whether it's in person or through chat rooms or online. And, and let's create experiences um, in person, uh, digitally, and, and the like. So why are you so passionate, Chesley, about the digital space, though? Yeah, that is a good question. I'm passionate about digital ministry because um, we're supposed to be reaching people that aren't in our buildings. And I Honestly, I had been uh, a church planter in Omaha, okay. uh, a replanter, and I was um, trying to reach young adult, young professionals in the city, and I couldn't for the life of me get them into my building. Digital quickly became a, a viable option. I remember sitting in a room with my leaders, you know, pastors in, a, in the denomination I was a part of, and they were like trying to figure out how to reach millennials. And I was the youngest by like 25, 30 years. I was the only millennial in the room. Yeah. And it took them 45 minutes before they came and talked to me and asked me <laughs> the question, well, how do we reach guys like you? <laughs> I've been playing with it with an idea. What if the church didn't have a building? And uh, I got laughed out of the room. <laughs> That'll never happen. <laughs> and yeah. Then COVID happened a few years later, and it became very clear that uh, we were, we're going to have to figure this out. The reality was young people were already online. 
Um, so obviously 2020 happens and we have COVID, right? And so um, I, I realized really quickly that we, uh, we had an opportunity on our hands. And I had been in, by this time, student ministry with youth and young adults had created a student ministry network. And I'd been playing around with digital technology, creating a white label social media app for mentors and students. Well, I had a teenage girl hanging out in our, uh, our house. We had like tons of students over at that point. And, uh, yes, that was during COVID because yeah. they still wanted to hang out. Right. They're, they're all bored because they didn't even have school. But uh, <laughs> I could tell something was going on. I'm like, hey, you want to talk about it? And she wouldn't open up. And I'm like, hey, why don't you jump on the app and DM me? And um, she told me things I didn't even want to know. <laughs> it, it was at that moment that I had realized, like, we're doing this wrong. Mm. Um, they're, they're connecting digitally before they connect physically. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to continue to create momentum and grow, uh, we need to be able to figure out how to, how to build relationships online because they do it naturally. And so I started doing that, but then I realized really quickly as well, like when I get on and I would start building converse, building relationships, starting conversations online, we were getting people who never stepped foot in a church would end up having conversations with us and they would have real in-depth life altering interactions with us. Mm. And so we're like, well, this is real. Like God is in this, like people yeah. are coming to Jesus that would never go to church. Like they're Satanists, they're, um, they're agnostics, like things that would take me forever in a physical space took me way less time. Now I just start earlier. I just start in a, in a place where I'm meeting their felt need that had nothing to do with uh, God, but it allowed me to open up into spiritual conversations. So it's literally like you're walking into the first century and nobody knows anything about Jesus. They know about spirituality and religion, but they don't know anything about Jesus. And that's a really liberating place to be at, but it also like blows up your theology. And I, I, I really, I love the story of Peter. Jesus leaves a, a few months later, he's on a roof and it may be a couple years later. I don't know, but yeah. he's on a rooftop and he's praying and Jesus shows him this sheet full of animals and says, Hey, Peter, rise up and eat. And Peter's like, and I love Peter. He's willing to argue with Jesus, even though he's like <laughs> literally raised from the dead and gone. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I won't eat anything unclean, Lord. And he's like, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And he does this three times. So I love the ingenuity that Jesus has. It's really shrewd. This, this creative picture of animals. And then at the end of this, Jesus tells him through the Holy Spirit that three men are coming. And I sent them, you need to go with them. He doesn't tell them who they are. He doesn't tell them where he's, where they're coming from or where he's going. He just says, I sent them, you've got to go. <laughs> By the time Peter ends up at Cornelius's house, Peter knows that that three, that three session meeting he had with Jesus had everything to do with his theology was getting blown out of the water. Yeah. That God was present with the Gentiles and if you know anything about the Jewish religion, they, he, he is not. He is for the Jewish people. Yeah. So Jesus doesn't give Peter the answer, but he just tells Peter to trust him. And he went to Peter, who is the innovative maverick that would put his foot in his mouth and do things before thinking. That's who I am. <laughs> you know. But the reality is the Holy Spirit is already with these people. Far be it for me to say our ecclesiology doesn't line up with digital ministry the holy spirit's working and yeah. we can't say digital relationship isn't real relationship because the reality is try telling that to my seven-year-old daughter when she calls her nini on facetime they don't know any difference tell them that it's not real you know yeah. and then you have the added piece of well can can god be in digital technology the first thing god created was light it was photons it's good yes he he is in digital technology he created 
the very molecules that we use to build this stuff. And if you are a good reformed guy like I am, it's all, it, it's all, you know, taken care of anyways. It was, it's like, you know, I'm just playing. Yeah. I'm not trying to get into theology. You know, so it's interesting to me. You mentioned something in that um, you mentioned, I have, I've got two kids and I've been in youth ministry for a long time. It always shocks me when somebody follows me, that's part of the youth ministry, how much they share online. And, mm -hmm. and like, it's sometimes it's like super discouraging and sometimes you can intercept things too, because they'll gladly share that on Twitter or TikTok or Instagram that they're depressed, anxious, but then you get them in a Bible study and they're like, everything's great. High five. What's up? You know? So uh, it's always, and it feels like, you know, me being 49, I would never share that kind of stuff online. I would share it first physically with somebody that I trusted, but they're sharing it with their 800 followers, many who they don't even have deep, authentic relationships with. So that's a good yeah. point. That's the culture we live in now. Right. And so, exactly. you know, most of, most of our church leaders won't know, uh, well, they'll know Kylie Jenner, but they won't know PewDiePie. They won't know uh, Elijah Lamb. They won't no, some of these other like really huge stars in, in the social media sphere, these real influencers, the reality is um, we, they cut their teeth on um, influencer marketing and the fact that we project who we are online first. And if you don't understand that from a cultural perspective, um, you will never, you'll, you'll never, um, be able to reach these people because you're not speaking their language. Mm -hmm. Go go into, I, I read an article on influence pastors and you just mentioned him again. You mentioned Elijah yeah. Lamb. Uh, I, hadn't Elijah Lamb. I hadn't heard of him because I, I, I'm truthfully, I'm just not on TikTok. Um, and so most of his stuff yeah. on TikTok, like who is he and what's he doing now? And like, what does that mean for the church? Um, like mm -hmm. who he is. So yeah, talk about Elijah specifically. Yeah, so Elijah is a great case study of where I think the church is headed, whether they like it or not. Um, and there's some good things about it and some bad things about it. And we'll get into that a little bit. Elijah is probably a 19-year-old kid at this point. Uh, a friend of mine in Phoenix is a really good friend of his, and they're doing um, uh, an online community of teenagers and college-age kids uh, discipling them online, digitally. Um, but he's got 650,000 followers on, uh, on TikTok, he, 19 years old. He started putting out 30 second, you know, blurbs about Jesus and Bible and his life and, and people gravitated towards it. He has bigger reach than Craig Rochelle, Carrie Newhoff, Andy Stanley. He's 19 years old. And people are listening to him more than those guys. And, and that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Do you want to give the nuclear codes, launch codes to a 19 year old? Because that's what we basically have done. You know, so there's a lot of, lot of things that I think are um, rightfully scary. You know, any major tool in construction um, is important to have to build houses it also can kill you, <laughs> you know? and so, uh, I think these, these systems for how to build church in a digital age are highly dangerous, but they're amoral. They're not immoral. They're amoral. People are moral or immoral. So you build these like personal brands and influencers. Well, if they're not in service to something that's bigger, i.e. discipleship, then it becomes all about the content, which is, i.e., my ego. Mm -hmm. And that is what's happened in the church. Everything has been built around an event. And the reality is people don't follow organizations. They follow people. And so we've got to create, and I think this is what's happening naturally, is they're seeing these people like Elijah Lamb at 19 years old that are willing to talk about their faith, that are willing to give answers where nobody else is giving the answers that they're looking for. I mean, he's 19 year old struggling with the same thing that a bunch of other 19 year old kids are struggling with. Um, so he's giving relevant answers to real questions that they have at the moment. And um, he's willing to get down deep in the mire and help 
um, disciple people along the way. So his message is in, ser in service to his mission, whereas the church has uh, started uh, replacing the mission for the message. And it's caused, you know, that's caused us to really put 98% of our effort on the event and the content throughout the week. And I think in the digital age, what you're going to see is that the primary product of the church is not Sunday morning anymore. It is discipleship. It is the outcome we're trying to get, which is make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey the commands that I've commanded you and preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what our outcomes are supposed to be. And I think that's what digital ministry is doing, but they're doing it through the platforms online. Um, and I think what you're going to see is organizations that are considered churches. Jesus never told us to plant churches, by the way. And when he said the church ecclesia, he was not saying nonprofit organization that has an event once a week. <laughs> he was talking about a Roman governing entity that was the new structure for how he's going to create the kingdom of God on earth in real time. And so we've got to really hone in on what Jesus is saying and not start putting our ecclesiological preferences and philosophy on top of scripture when we're reading it. And when we do, we begin to see that God's doing something new here. And if we will use the systems that have already been created um, by, believe it or not, business people that are really powerful for this, then we'll be able to have an actual community of Jesus followers that are decentralized and connected all at the same time. And that will need something that has a through line that will be able to glue everything together. Well, that is not an event because there'll be many events, more yeah. than you've ever had. It'll have to be a discipleship system and a leadership team that is empowering people to do what God's called them to do. Those two things are going to be the things that created, that connect a decentralized community. So good. And, and so I think part of the issue we're struggling with right now is, as church leaders and, and discipleship is, I agree with you, like whether the church wants it or not, like it's coming. So like either... No, it's you know, not coming. It's here. Yeah, it's here. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah. you know, Amazon's a thing, by the way. The internet's a thing, by the way. Like, these what? are just here. Amazon? Yeah, you know her. I'll tell you later. Oh, never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, we have to stop avoiding it. And I, so part of it is like, okay, so if I don't avoid it, do do we need to and, – and, and maybe – yeah, I'll say it this way. Do we need to come alongside of that and figure out how we do that? Or do we come alongside of some of these things? Or is it yes and? That's where I think we're struggling as church leaders and pastors. Is like, I can't just fully endorse all of it out there because there's a lot, like you said, it's it's amoral, but there is a lot of immoral stuff on some of the systems. And so, yeah, your, and I would argue... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, didn't no, mean I was going to say, what's, yeah, what's your advice there? Like, do we, do we have to do it ourselves or can we come alongside of these things? What would you say? I think, again, this is a nuanced answer. Um, the answer is yes, but it just, it's dependent on what your DNA is as your, as your faith community. Yeah. Um, the reality is um, we talk about our system versus a digital system being immoral, moral, amoral, if we really want to get down to brass tacks, the last two or three years has shown that maybe our system in the church world in the Western church is not really that great either. Mm. If we say that the system is the problem, mm. that's the, that's the danger that we shouldn't get into. The sure. systems aren't the problem. The systems are amoral. They provide a result. It doesn't matter what result it will provide a result. But when that's you good. get immoral people into any system, yeah. That's when the problem occurs. And so you could have a dictatorship. If the person was moral and, and had integrity, like that system would be okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> the problem is power corrupts and absolutely right. power corrupts. Absolutely. You know, so um, yeah. I think what we need to, um, what we need to do is we need to go, okay, what are the systems that will work for the outcomes that we're working for? get really clear and honest about the outcomes we're working for mm -hmm. and then get really honest about what we're doing today, if it's working or not. And then begin to dream again, because 
Uh, the reveal study from Willow Creek 20 something years ago revealed that Sunday morning services don't create disciples. They're a good supplement to discipleship, but they don't create it. You know what the church world did? Nothing. <laughs> they continue to do the same thing they've always been doing. And so I don't have the right answer. I'm sure 50 to 60% of what I'm saying today isn't, isn't correct. <laughs> but the right. reality is I'm not insane. I want to do something different so we can get different results because the result I'm looking for is mature Jesus followers in character. And they're doing exactly what God's called them to do. Right now, our churches aren't doing that. Hmm. And if we continue to put 98% of our resources into something that is not doing the job, we're not going to win at what God's called us to do. And I think there's a reckoning of that now. We Just create like that, go that number. Yep. Sorry, that, that number 98, is that, yeah. um, is that the percentage budget that goes towards the old system? Uh, um, I will, that, that is a, a stereotypical answer. Gotcha. I th- think is probably, I'm exaggerating. I Maybe. think it's probably 85 to 90%. If I, if I'm being honest, I don't sure. have real concrete answers. I could probably go to generis and ask my friends there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the reality is we spend an inordinate amount of time to support and supplement and take care of the Sunday morning service because it's urgent and it's always coming. And it's what we know. It's what we've been doing for 1700 years. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We needed to do that at one point. Just think about it. 1700 years ago when they stopped persecuting the church, we had an opportunity to create culture around the personal work of Jesus. Well, we did it in a centralized culture that was illiterate and geographically bound, right? And so these people can't read and they have to walk or ride a horse within 30 minutes of the thing. And during the week, they're in the fields, harvesting and working the field. So they don't have a lot of time to hang out with people. So on Sundays, they don't have church for an hour they have church for six or seven hours in a centrally located uh, place in the city that was the highest point of the city so that everybody could see it so they could come there the building was a centralized platform to bring people to build community and to disciple them in the way of jesus because they had to listen to the word of god being spoken to them because they couldn't read it and that worked Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're recommending to everybody listening to this podcast is that we should find the highest point of the city and do six hour sermons. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, they only do six hour sermons. They probably do 45 minutes to an hour and then they had four hours of hangout time. Have the eating. We're missing the good old fashioned potluck. Let's just be honest. And you know what? I do have to say Listen, this. you cannot do a potluck digitally, okay? Just admit it. Well, that's not true. I do virtual coffee with friends all the time. So I buy them Starbucks and we drink while we're hanging out with each other. But I love it. You know, you can do that with Taco Bell, man. At least I'll get what I want. So when, that's I, was, true. when I was growing up, my dad was a pastor. And I, you're, you're a PK, so you understand this. When we had potlucks, I was the last, last person to go. Because my dad told me we had to wait. You know what happens yeah. in potlucks? You get By nothing. The time you're the last person. No, you don't get nothing. You get the thing that nobody wanted. That's which is right. Like the fruit salads. Yeah. Or the beet. <laughs> the the circle of beets that nobody wants. Yeah. yeah. We had we had Katie Cole on the last season and we talked a lot about potlucks with her. And so she, if you're looking for what dish to bring to a potluck, Katie gave it to us. That's a great episode. For yeah, potlucks. It, was, it was fun. But I said the same thing to Katie. I was like, I hate potlucks because oh. I serve yeah. as the pastor. And I, and I, and, and by the time, yeah, there's nothing good. And then I go to Taco Bell and I see Mexican pizzas are sold out and I never even got yeah, one. Right. It's like, Dude, yeah. this world's hard, I'm man. We Jesus. I'm still <laughs> in therapy for all of that. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Chesley, let's pivot for a second. The next question we want to kind of hear about. Zach and I have been asking a lot of questions about this because it's just kind of surreal and strange. I can't really figure it out. Uh, What what do you know? What do you think about the metaverse and what's coming? Uh, And can you inform our listeners about the metaverse and Mm -hmm. 
Web3 and what the church and everyday people needs to know about this now? When is there anything that as pastors of of churches that we should be doing? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, Web3, um, we don't really know what's going to happen with it yet. The metaverse is not fully built out. It's mostly ethereal. However, we have um, experiences in um, what we call the metaverse, you know, which is like alt space VR, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more to it, like blockchain and, and, and cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, which is way more than just money. There's a whole protocol that you can build organizations on now that don't have a hierarchical structure, but has a, um, has a structure where everybody has a say. So, but it's, it's, it's more than democratic. I, I, think, there, I think right now um, it's so new. Um, it's, it's like, um, man, it, it's like the cyberpunk movement, right? The cyberpunk movement where, um, it's so much in this MS DOS phase that most people don't need to know about it at the moment. I think in the next few years, we're going to have, we're going to get more educated on it because, um, they're, you know, they're coming out with glasses and wearables. And, um, the, I think what's going to end up happening is like, when we can do this, this will no longer be a thing. Mm. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, when we can use glasses, we'll no longer have to have a phone because it'll all be, it'll be right there. It'll be like in this screen, but fully encapsulated where it begins to supplement everything you're doing in life. Like, I can look up things while I'm looking at something or somebody can be talking about something from a stage and then, Oh, don't you know it? Like now they're talking about it, but now I see them and let's say they're talking about the sea of Galilee. Now we're standing in the sea of Galilee as he's talking. Yeah. Um, But that's augmented reality. That's not virtual reality. That's the blending of virtual and physical. I think that's where the big stuff that the churches are going to have to think through are going to do that because the reality is most people won't adopt virtual reality in its current form. Yeah. They're not going to buy the headwear uh, needed to be able to do that. Right now it's like a PlayStation or, a, uh, or an Xbox. Now yeah. there is a whole community of people and a large community of people that are going that direction. But the reality is when we can get to the glasses technology, it will be a supplement and an enhancement of what you already see in real life. And at that, at that point, it's going to change everything that we do. It's so I funny. Don't know because, how, it's so ahead. funny because my mom used to tell me not to sit too close to the TV and now we're putting the TV <laughs> on her face. Yes. Know. Yeah. Well, and Apple has a patent that will allow you to project a 92 inch screen from your glasses when you wear them. So that way you'll no longer have, can you imagine never having a television in your house? That's really you won't crazy. Need it anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like really George interesting. Yeah. yeah. So this is well, funny, right? Jensen was built this was, was born this year. That was so funny. I saw a meme yesterday. It was like <laughs> August 1st. Somebody yeah. said, uh, George, somebody is going to birth George Jetson today. Like today. that was like two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and the truth is I've been waiting for Rosie for a very long time. By the time well, I've been waiting for I, Rosie flying cars. I mean, <laughs> a lot of things to look forward to. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so right now we're in virtual world, eventually virtual reality. Soon there'll be a blend of virtual and augmented. Yeah. And yeah. that's where you that's where you think we're going to see a huge shift. Is there anything any any merit to? Because I'm I'm a proactive guy. I'm a futuristic guy. Is there any merit to like doing things in the virtual reality now so that when that day comes, like we're more ready. Does that make sense? Yes. Are you coaching people and pastors to do that? Absolutely. So thank you for the plug. That's where we go. Digital church network, well, mm-hmm. the community that I lead. Um, we help uh, coach and train church leaders, church planters, missionaries in these digital spaces. So yeah, if you had the means to go grab a headset and get on and see the world that's there, that is not, like it's there and not there all at the same time and begin to have conversations with real people all over the world, right in your living room. Yes. It's a mission field. Do it. 
Absolutely. You don't have to go on a, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to go on a mission team, a mission trip anymore. You can go straight from your headset. I've got friends that are uh, at Ekbalo University that are creating digital virtual prayer walks and using social media campaigns in the 1040 minute window where no Christian can get to. And they are, they have people on the ground that have, that have done the, uh, the, the camera work. So you're walking this virtual, walking these places virtually while they're doing a, uh, a social media campaign mm. to tell people about Jesus. And it is blowing up. People that have never mm. heard about Jesus are, are, are asking for prayer, learning about Jesus for the first time, being shared the gospel with. So there's opportunities to get involved in the metaverse right straight from your living room now you don't even have to have a headset even you can you can go on your computer to alt space you won't have the cool things you can do with your hands but you can get on just via a pc right now so yes it, go learn it, tell us I mean, we're not pros pros in this space is i'm a i'm a step ahead of you like i have no clue what i'm doing right. i can see the i can see the changing tides now as far as physical churches are concerned Create campuses in those places. You're going to have conversations with agnostics, atheists, Hindu, like Zoroastrianism. You know, you're going to have these opportunities that you've never had before if you'll get in these spaces. But the primary thing I want churches to know is you don't have to be there to begin to build a digital infrastructure that will that will uh, help make disciples in your own city. Yeah. And these guys won't come to your building either. So you need to have a strategy for it. And it doesn't need to be just Brad broadcasting your service. Mm -hmm. That's good. I saw, I think it was this week, actually, of the recording that on the Today Show, they were doing an article or a, a um, feature on VR Church. Yeah, and Jason. Uh, Jason yeah. is in our community. Yeah, he's cool. amazing. And they said it's up 500% this year. And mm. so I think that there are some that might be like aware of what a VR church looks like today. I think there are yeah. others that are listening right now that have absolutely no idea. So can you maybe just uh, like, what is it, what is it like to attend a VR church service right now? And again, I, I recognize that we're only a, a few steps ahead and it's probably going to be going multiple different places in the future. But what does it look like right now? And what are some of the things that those that are doing VR church seeing uh, from having this offering? Yeah, so um, VR church, for the most part, are doing church the way we've always done church. Okay. They, they built a building in um, in like a platform like Alt Space, which is basically a game, if you will, a program, if you will, a software program that people can have a uh, virtual world. Yeah. Is, is is it like mine? I mean, I'm just real bit. Is it yeah, like, it's Minecraft? like Minecraft? Yeah, okay. exactly. So you're like you're building on. Okay, okay, go for it. Yeah. I was just double checking. Yeah, so you can build buildings in a world specifically for these people. They'll come into a building that you built. They'll sit down virtually and listen to a service. Very, very similar to what we're doing on a Sunday morning. The beauty of it is now you're doing it in a space that's more, uh, more likely for a non-Christian person to jump into. And so I would say absolutely do that. I just, I think there's an extra step of where we can head that is more than just virtual. If you want to do virtual reality, I think that's great. I would say talk to my friend Jeff Reed about that. He, his specialty is the metaverse. That's not mine. Mine is how do we do this in a world where we're still physically grounded, we're still anchored here, and how do you build a digital church um, here with uh, physical people that are still talking face-to-face -face and, and maybe not? How do you connect people that are geographically so far away that they'll never be able to come to your building. Those are the questions that I'm asking. Jeff is a perfect person on our team to be able to really dive deep in the metaverse. It's good. And, and Jeff and uh, Chesley are part of and founding, right? The digital church network. Yeah. And yeah. So give me a, give me the one minute on what is the digital church network in case someone wants to find out more, how can they find out more or learn, learn about that? Yeah, Digital Church Network 
is a, a network and community of digital missionaries, digital church leaders, and digital church planters that are reaching people that will never step foot into a building. And um, we're learning how to do digital ministry together. Um, we're training people that um, want to do digital church planting. Obviously, I think there are a lot of similarities to planting a church no matter what you're doing, but there are some definite like differences. And so we want to help train those people and give them a community. When you're an innovator in a space that's not innovated yeah. in 500 years, um, you get the side eye quite a bit. You know, <laughs> back when Martin Luther was an innovator, you'd get the burnt at the stake, <laughs> you know, so the church hasn't been too kind to innovators. And so we're seeing a lot of trauma. So we're building soul care and community oh, yeah. and praying for those. So that's all super important. We don't want to replicate the trauma that was been handed down. So we need some healing. So, uh, but at the same time, we want to innovate and learn. So we're doing that. And uh, that's where that's happening at, at DCN. What is the web? What's the web link to find out more for digital church network? So digitalchurch.network, <laughs> digitalchurch.network. Yeah, yeah, man. And we'll, and we'll put that in the show notes too that we have with this episode. So uh, I always ask every guest the same question, uh, and then I'm going to turn it over to Chris for his uh, little game with you. But Little um, game? Yeah. Little, anyway. It's huge. We'll it's like the Super Bowl of yeah, digital it could be. It's a major yeah. game right. about to happen. All right. Well, all right. you better deliver that. All right. Well. Uh, but Chesley, man, if you could challenge our audience right now, we do have some church religion pastors. We also have just the everyday disciples that listen as well. Like if you could do, if you could challenge them to grow in their faith as a disciple in one specific way this week, what would you uh, challenge our audience? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, I, I have one for just the typical disciple and one for church leaders. Okay. Um, so the typical disciple is, um, what is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? And if you can't answer that question every day, you're not, you're not doing what God's called you to do, which is um, connecting to the vine. Mm. You're not being with Jesus. John 15 Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when we stay with Jesus and he tells us what to do and then we do it, sometimes he doesn't tell us what to do. Sometimes he just wants us to be, you know, sometimes it's just come and hang out. But if we're not doing that on a regular basis to where we can say, this is what God's told me to do and this is what I'm going to do about it, then we're not actually growing in our faith because growth happens from connecting to the vine. If you cut off a branch from a vine, it may look alive, but it's dead. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do every day, whether you're a leader or not. If you're a church leader, um, for the love of God, figure out a discipleship pro process for your church. I'm not trying to be mean. Um, I yeah. have been in so many churches and I have yet to have. No, that's not true. I finally have one church that said they had a discipleship system. Um, and I've been to dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of churches. If you don't know how to develop your people, your people won't be developed because if you don't know it as a leader, you can't do it. Yeah. And maybe there's a couple of guys in your, in your community that are doing it separately. I'd say go learn from them and have them become a part of the process. But the, the primary product of the church in the digital age is developing people. It is not Sunday morning. And if you can get one thing from what I'm saying, that is that right there. So it's good, man. you can email me with all of your hate mail at Chesley at ChesleyLunday.com. <laughs> I don't care. So, Chesley, that's good. Yeah. I, I resonate so much with both of those. The individual, I like those questions. What, what is God saying to you and what am I going to do about it? And yeah, sometimes he tells you, Chesley, to move to Ohio. And you did. So that's good. <laughs> um, yeah. But then the other piece, too, is is the discipleship piece for church leaders. Like that's that's what this that's why I started Red Letter Living, Red Letter Challenge. It's like we got to get back to the basics of like, let's look to Jesus and and do what he says like that. At the end of the day, like when you marry those two <laughs> challenges together to the individual end of the church, it's like that's. That's the answer. And, and so if there's anything we can do on the red letter side for church leaders uh, to help you develop disciples, we, we'd love that. Um, so, yeah, hey, you guys have a great system, man. I'm really, I'm really impressed and proud of the systems that you guys have built. At the end of the day, it's not about just obeying. It's obeying to become. Mm -hmm. God wants a transformation in our lives. 
And if you don't have a system to help bring out transformation in people's lives, you will always revert back to what you know, which is just obey all the time. Well, that's religion and that's Phariseeism. That's not what God's called us to. He's called us to transformation. And I, I love your guys' system. I think that's important. So cool. I could listen to you preach. You got that way a couple yeah. times. This I was like, I, I don't want to stop. I did. I'm a preacher, man. That's what I do. Me too. It's hard not to. Hey, so if you take that challenge on whether you're an individual or a church leader, go ahead and hashtag Red Letter Disciple. Put it on any of the socials. Or if you're on YouTube, throw it in the comments. And without further ado, Mr. Johnson, what's our game with Mr. Chesley today? Chesley, you're clearly, clearly on the cutting edge of technology when it comes to the digital space, how to help churches out. You've informed us about the metaverse. You've told Zach and I about something we don't understand at all, the Web 3. Web 3. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like this. Some, I, I don't even know what that means. But here's the thing. Dude, I don't know what it means yet. Nobody knows. That's the beauty. I'm just wondering if you, as a technological master, can defeat Zach, who is not a technological master, on modern, the biggest technological advances in human history. I will give you a major technical okay. advance in human history, and then we will play prices Right with the date. So if I say, I don't know, when uh, did we do the podcast with Chesley, you would say 2022. You would be right on the money. You would say higher or lower, okay? Gotcha. Let's go. Chesley, you are our guest. You will go first. Here right. it is. Just after... Uh, Morse sent the first telegraph. Alexander Graham Bell made the first phone call. His first words were, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. Mr. Watson was his assistant. This invention paved the way for making phone calls to people worldwide, not just in the next room. Chesley, when was the telephone invented? 19. Oh, well, the telephone invented. Uh, I, well, I think the first phone call was like 1906, I think, if I remember correctly. Pretty close. Okay. So okay. I would say I would say the invention probably happened like eight in the 1890s. So 1890, 1899. I'll do that. There we go. 1899, right before the turn of the century. Chesley's going 1899. Zach, would yeah. you go earlier or later? I think I'm going to go earlier. Okay. Uh, my, in my head, I'm thinking 18, late 1870s or 1880s. 1876, Zach Sender with one point. Wow, good job. Good oh, my job. God. All right, all right. Um, Edison, let there be light with the incandescent bulb. It's difficult to appreciate what an incredible invention this is until you're dealing in Florida with a power <laughs> outage. Uh, let's go back. With the light bulb, when was it invented, Zach? I'm not going to be good at this one. Uh, let's go 1845. 1845, Chesley. Oh, that was definitely later. Definitely later. We're 100%. Edison, what? Yeah, Edison wasn't. Well, I think he was a boy back then, but. <laughs> when was it? 1880. Four, oh, 80. four years yeah, yeah. after the telephone. We had telephone before yeah. we had light? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Mind blown. Here we go. Uh, before binge watching, Movie theaters were king. They were still the best venue for seeing blockbuster films, but the invention of the television paved the way for home entertainment. The first TV sets, of course, were black and white, then came color, and even after that, remote control. I'm going to go to you, Chesley. When was the television invented? I'm going to say the 1920s. Uh, 37 was the first time it was nationally televised with Calvin Coolidge. So I mean, I'm pretty sure it was Calvin Coolidge. Okay. Um, so it's got to be earlier than that. Uh, yeah, I'd say, I would say, you know what? I'm going to go in the 19. I'm going to go 1916. That's what I'm going to go. 1916. 1916. 1916. Yeah. All right, Zach. I'm going to go later, and I'm going to I'm going to 1922. Ladies and gentlemen, the television invented 1927. Zach, it's the oh, point. Damn it. Okay, we only have a couple more. We only have a couple more. I stuck at this. this. Oh, I know history, but I got no dates. So wait, you're up now. I wouldn't have got it without you. You gave too much info there on 37. It came out. And anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, it's hard to imagine a computer without the internet or the web. But 
This was created funding. Uh, the Internet was created with funding from the United States Department of Defense and the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. Hence the acronym. Edited by Al Gore, right? Yes, it was invented. <laughs> when did Al Gore invent it? Okay, uh, of course, AOL made uh, the World Wide Web popular in the mid-90s. But, Zach, when was the internet created? Uh, go 1984. Earlier, like, it was in the 70s. That's exactly right, 1973. Seemed, and this is our final question. Confident. This is... <laughs> <laughs> I had that one wrong. Okay, this will be the last one. The last one. Um, hmm. Man, I didn't think we'd have a half-out tiebreaker. Okay, here we go. On this date, Samuel F.B. Morse sent the first telegraph, which said, What hath God wrought? wrought? The praise taken from the Bible was selected by his daughter, uh, by the daughter of one of Morse's friends. When was the first telegraph ever sent? Oh, man. Um, 1852. 1852. Zach, for the championship of smartest technological person. <laughs> I mean, I... I... I didn't know the phone was, I'm still thinking the phone was invented before the light. Anyway, I'm going to say before. I'm going to say before uh, 18, what did you say? 1840? 52. I said 1852. Okay. And just so you know, the telephone was 1876. So yeah, I'm going to say before. Before? It was 1844. Zach, defeat. <laughs> Unbelievable battle. It's taking each other to, to overtime here. That's wow. So I almost ran out of questions. Thank but, you. But he clearly is. I, I'm. That's in the past. Oh, He's yeah. like the guy moving right. forward. And, so. Yeah. And if he wouldn't have gone so verbose, you never would have got that other one right. So <laughs> I know. That's that's true. That was so generous. I'm a history of buff, but I have no clue on dates. That's great. <laughs> Trust me, man. This was uh, super fun. Thanks for helping so many people. And and uh, yeah, if people want to connect with you or Digital Church Network, what's the best place? I heard digitalchurch.network earlier. Is anywhere else we want to go? Yeah, the Impractical Jokers. Um, I was going to say that. Dude, I, I, I star at Every week, no, I'm just playing. Everybody I was going to say that. Like we are interviewing Sal, but I didn't want to be offensive. Uh, we don't know each other, but oh my right, gosh. Right, If he ever needs a stunt double, dude, you are in. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, no, it's good. It's good. I remember the first time that happened. Like, I was in a mall, and I'm like, it's just because I'm fat. That's what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Digital Church Network or True TV, it sounds like. True, True TV. TV. No, 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 no. Um, Chesley at ChesleyLunday.com. The beauty of it is it's C-H-E-S-T-L-Y. Um, and then Lunday is like the eighth day of the week, L-U-N-D-A-Y. Um, okay. You do Chesley Lunday together because if you just do – my first name, you'll probably end at a porn site. We don't want yeah, that. Yeah. So, probably uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm, I, I, like that. I own the SEO on Chesley Lunday. I will be on the first page. Fantastic. <laughs> there you go, man. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Chesley, you rock, dude. Thanks so much for this and blessings yeah, on man. the new move to Ohio. And I hope that a lot of people connect with you through this. God bless you, bud. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. It's been an honor. Thank you. Well, thank you, Chesley. That is some really helpful stuff that we learned today. And personally, I love thinking proactively <laughs> into the future about how the church of Jesus and disciples of Jesus can be an influence in the world. So, hey, if you want to connect with Chesley or learn more about the digital church network or the metaverse, any of the things, any of the resources, you can go to redletterpodcast.com. We've got show notes that we organize for every single episode right there, and we would love for you to grab those. Again, I want to thank today's sponsor, Carrie Newhoff and the Art of Leadership Academy. It's an amazing network of more than a thousand church leaders and business-minded leaders that want to grow organizations um, in healthier ways, all for the glory of God. So, hey, 
join at theartofleadershipacademy.com. There is coaching, there is consulting, there is live calls, there is a great community. And if you join, make sure you look for my name on the app. Send me a message. I'd love to say hello there. All right, next week, we are doing something different. For the final episode of season two, our 25th episode altogether, it's going to get crazy because Chris Johnson is taking the lead as host and he is turning the mic on me. I mean, actually, truthfully, there is no physical, literal turning of the mic, but he's just interviewing me. That's what I mean by that. But anyway, I'll be spending my time next week talking to Chris about the importance of habits in the life of a disciple. And, and not just any habits, we're going to explore the five keystone habits that Jesus practiced in his life to help him grow in his relationship with God. There was only one person who's ever existed in a perfect relationship with God. And it's not me. It's not Chris Johnson. It's Jesus. So we're going to learn from the master Jesus himself as we unpack these five keystone habits. Can't wait to have you back next week on The Red Letter Disciple. A Huda Media Production.